Welcome to A Star Witness. Hello everyone, this is Kayla bringing another episode and today's discussion is going to be about prayer. And before we start the discussion about prayer, let's have a prayer ourselves so that the Lord will be with us during this podcast. With that, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for another day of life and health. Lord, thank you for your love and your care And I ask that you be with every single one of the listeners and with me as well as we read um, and study and help us to be more like you, willing to give up all for you. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for us. We ask that you continue to lead and guide us in all things. Help us to give up all for you. And we ask all these things in your precious Holy Son's name. Amen. All right. First off... My voice is back, so praise the Lord. Thank you to any of you who might have prayed for healing of my voice. I greatly appreciate that, and I praise the Lord for his healing power as well. Uh, Let me fill you in on what's about to take place here. I am going to read mostly from the Spirit of Prophecy about prayer, and I'm going to add in commentary Uh, to the quotes, but these quotes are just so powerful in and of themselves that you don't really need to add much more to it. So first off, I consider prayer to be one of the major components when having a relationship with Christ, if not the most important, in fact, because prayer is what makes it possible for us to resist the devil, and flee from temptation. Prayer is so important. It helps us to have that relationship with Christ. It helps us to not want to do the things that we used to do. And, you know, Christ is wanting us to pray. He wants us to have a relationship with him. Um, It's heart-to-heart communication. And It's like this secret key that nobody uses because they forget about it or they just do it once in a while or, you know, to start the day off or to end the day off or when something really traumatic happens, then they'll pray and they'll want the Lord to rescue them. But prayer is not just for those occasions. I mean, yes, it's good to pray in those situations for sure, but prayer is so much more than that. It's uh, like... You're talking to your best friend on the phone. I mean, you're talking, he's, they're talking back. In this case, he, because it's Christ, he's talking back to you through the Bible and the spirit of prophecy. And the devil knows how powerful prayer is. That's why he doesn't want us to do it. So I would highly suggest that you read the book called Prayer by Ellen White. It is so encouraging. And this is where most of the quotes are from today. Um, It's from the book Prayer. Uh, so, with that being said, I will read the quotes and give the page and paragraph at the end of the quote, and then I'll make commentary in between some of the quotes and just go from there. So, the first one starts like this. Prayer is the breath of the soul. It is the secret of spiritual power. No other means of grace can be substituted, and the health of the soul be preserved. Prayer brings the heart into immediate contact with the wellspring of life and strengthens the sinew and muscle of the religious experience. Neglect the exercise of prayer 
or engage in prayer spasmatically now and then as seems convenient, and you lose your hold on God. The spiritual faculties lose their vitality. The religious experience lacks health and vigor. That's from prayer, page 12.4. So like I was saying above, prayer is so powerful. And if we lose that hold on it, we lose a hold on God. We cannot overcome sin without that communication between us and heaven with Christ. Those who seek God in secret, telling the Lord their needs and pleading for help, will not plead in vain. Thy Father, which seeth in secret himself, shall reward thee openly. As we make Christ our daily companion, we shall feel that the powers of an unseen world are all around us. And by looking unto Jesus, we shall become assimilated to his image. By beholding, we become changed. The character is softened, refined, and ennobled for the heavenly kingdom. The sure result of our intercourse and fellowship with our Lord will be to increase piety, purity, and fervor. There will be a growing intelligence in prayer. We are receiving a divine education, and this is illustrated in a life of diligence and zeal. Prayer, page 82.1. The soul that turns to God for its help, its support, its power, by daily earnest prayer, will have noble aspirations, clear perceptions of truth and duty, lofty purposes of action, and continual hungering and thirsting after righteousness. By maintaining a connection with God, we shall be enabled to diffuse to others, through our association with them, the light, the peace, the serenity that rule in our hearts. The strength acquired in prayer to God, united with preserving effort in training the mind in thoughtfulness and caretaking, prepares one for daily duties and keeps the spirit in peace under all circumstances. Thoughts from the Mount of Blessing, page 85. This is so powerful. I mean, this is amazing what it says. By having an open communication with God, it brings light and peace into our hearts. It trains our mind to be thoughtful to others and to leave the worldliness behind us. It helps us to focus on heavenly things and not on all this worldliness that can surround us. Strength and grace can be found in prayer. Sincere love is to be the ruling principle of the heart. The Adventist Home, page 127. Devote your mind to spiritual things. Keep your mind from dwelling upon yourself. Cultivate a contented, cheerful spirit. You talk too much upon unimportant things. You gain no spiritual strength from this. If the strength spent in talking were devoted to prayer, you would receive spiritual strength and would make melody in your heart to God. Testimonies for the Church, to page 434 and 435. So, by... Talking about frivolous nonsense isn't going to accomplish anything in our spiritual lives. We need to focus on spiritual things. Talk about Jesus, of his wonderful works. Talk about the subjects of the Bible and of heavenly things. Because then and only then are we going to have our minds set on Christ. By talking about fashion or celebrities or any of that other stuff is not going to help us on our walk to heaven. We have to concentrate on our walk with Christ. 
does that mean that we can't talk about other things such as bills or grocery shopping or meal planning or other things like that? No, that doesn't mean that. It just means we shouldn't spend our hours talking about stuff that is not even important. We need to talk about spiritual things, uplifting things. When we prepare our heart for heaven, it means preparing our speech for heaven as well. The greatest blessing that God can give to man is the spirit of earnest prayer. All heaven is open before the man of prayer. The ambassadors of Christ will have power with the people after they have, with earnest supplication, come before God. The Review and Herald, October 20, 1896. It is the greatest blessing that God can give us is the spirit of earnest prayer. If that's the greatest blessing, that's amazing. I want the spirit of earnest prayer. I want that in my heart because it's a blessing to have it and it's important in our daily walk with Christ. We do not value the power and efficacy of prayer as we should. Prayer and faith will do what no power on earth can accomplish. We are seldom in all respects placed in the same position twice. We continually have new scenes and new trials to pass through where past experience cannot be a sufficient guide. We must have the continual light that comes from God, the ministry of healing, page 509. This is amazing to me. I mean, and something to really think about. We seldom pass through the same position twice. So that means sometimes we only get once to pass a trial or tribulation. And that's kind of a scary thought to think about. I mean, the Lord is merciful and does give us many chances to get things right. But there will come a time when we aren't given a third or fourth chance or, or however many chances it is to get something right. And that means when we're stalling on something, a trial or a tribulation, that we can't move on to the new scenes that are before us. Uh, like it says, we all have new scenes and new trials. How can we overcome new trials if we can't even pass the old ones? So prayer and faith are going to do what no power on earth can accomplish. This is why it's so important to have and to do, not just on a daily basis, but moment by moment, be in connection with Christ through prayer. Christ is our divine example, and he would often go alone into the mountainside and pray. Sometimes all night long. I mean, how often do we spend with Christ on a daily basis? Ask yourself that question. There are 24 hours to a day. And how many of those hours, um, minus the sleeping portion, do you spend talking to Christ or talking about heavenly things or praying? And sad to say, the number seems to fall short. Sadly, the strength acquired in prayer to God will prepare us for our daily duties. The temptations to which we are daily exposed make prayer a necessity. In order that we may be kept by the power of God through faith, the desires of the mind should be continually ascending in silent prayer. When we are surrounded by influences calculated to lead us away from God, our petitions for help and strength must be unwearied. Unless this is so, we shall never be successful in breaking down pride and overcoming the power of temptation to sinful indulgences which keep us from the Savior. The light of truth, sanctifying the life, will discover to the receiver the 
sinful passions of his heart, which are striving for the mastery, and which make it necessary for him to stretch every nerve and exert all his powers to resist Satan, that he may conquer through the merits of Christ. Messages to Young People, page 248. This is exactly what I was saying. If we are not centered on God and we are not exposing ourselves to prayer, we are not going to be able to stand the tests and trials. The power of temptation is strong and our flesh is weak. We are told that in the Bible. And the, the heart is desperately wicked above all things. So we need to pray, pray, pray. You may have a deep and abiding sense of eternal things and that love for humanity which Christ has shown in his life. A close connection with heaven will give the right tone to your fidelity and will be the ground of your success. Your feeling of dependence will drive you to prayer and your sense of duty summon you to effort. Prayer and effort, effort and prayer will be the business of your life. You must pray as though the efficiency and praise were all due to God and labor as though duty were all your own. If you want power, you may have it. It is waiting your draft upon it. Only believe in God. Take him at his word. Act by faith and blessings will come. Testimonies for the Church, 4, pages 538 and 539. All we have to do is reach out and it's there waiting for us. God wants us to come to him. He's waiting for us with open arms. There are blessings innumerable waiting for us if we but take the step. I prayed, he, Nehemiah, said to the God of heaven. In that brief prayer, Nehemiah pressed into the presence of the king of kings and won to his side a power that can turn hearts as the rivers of water are turned. Prayer, page 84.2. To pray as Nehemiah prayed in his hour of need is a resource at the command of the Christian under circumstances when other forms of prayer may be impossible. Prophets and Kings, page 631. Prayer is the breath of the soul. It is the secret of spiritual power. No other means of grace can be substituted and the health of the soul be preserved. Prayer brings the heart into immediate contact with the wellspring of life and strengthens the sinew and muscle of the religious experience. Neglect the exercise of prayer or engage in prayer spasmatically now and then as seems convenient and you lose your hold on God. The spiritual faculties lose their vitality. The religious experience lacks health and vigor. Messages to Young People, page 249 and 250. Prayer is the breath of the soul. I love that. And it's the secret of spiritual power. It's a secret key. Like I said before, it is the secret key that opens up everything else. And it's a secret that is commonly known, yet somehow we forget it over and over again. And I'm guilty of it too. You know, you forget that prayer is so important and you just go about your day and then you realize how much you need the prayer. You have the physical laws of health that are important. Sunshine, water, exercise, to name a few. Well, this is the exercise needed in the spiritual life. Neglect the exercise of prayer. She calls it an exercise. And we lose our hold on God. That is not something I want to be doing. I don't want to lose my hold on God. And I hope that none of you want to either. Power will come from God to man in answer to the prayer of faith. Testimonies for the Church, 4, 
page 402. Prayer is heaven's ordained means of success in the conflict with sin and the development of Christian character. The divine influences that come in answer to the prayer of faith will accomplish in the soul of the supplement all for which he pleads, for the pardon of sin, for the Holy Spirit, for a Christ-like temper, for wisdom and strength to do his work, for any gift he has promised. We may ask, and the promise is, ye shall receive. The Acts of the Apostles, page 564. For pardon of sin and for all of the other things, wisdom, strength, Christ-like temper, the Holy Spirit. It lists all of this stuff that is necessary for our Christian character. And in order to get that, how do we do it? How do we accomplish it? Through prayer. Prayer is heaven's ordained means of success in the conflict with sin. That sentence says it all. True faith and true prayer, how strong they are, they are as two arms by which the human suppliant lays hold upon the power of infinite love. Gospel Workers, page 259. Satan presents many temptations to the youth. He is playing the game of life for their souls, and he leaves no means untried to allure and ruin them. But God does not leave them to fight unaided against the tempter. They have an all-powerful helper, stronger far than their foe is he who is in the world and in human nature met and conquered Satan, resisting every temptation that comes to the youth today. He is their elder brother. He feels for them a deep and tender interest. He keeps over them a constant watch care, and he rejoices when they try to please him. As they pray, he mingles with their prayers the incense of his righteousness and offers them to God as a fragrant sacrifice. In his strength, the youth can endure hardness as good soldiers of the cross. Strengthened with his might, they are enabled to reach the high ideals before them. The sacrifice made on Calvary is the pledge of their victory. Messages to Young People, page 95 and 96. Satan is at war with our souls, and he's going to do everything possible to get us off of the path of righteousness, like this quote said. And we need all prayer and the armor of God. And part of the armor of God is all prayer. Praying always. Pray without ceasing. And by your fervent prayers of faith, you can move the arm that moves the world. You can teach your children to pray effectually as they kneel by your side. Let your prayers arise to the throne of God. Spare thy people, O Lord, and give not thine heritage to reproach, that the heathen should rule over them. Wherefore should they say among the people, Where is their God? Prayer, page 86.1. God is at work. He doeth wonders, and although he is high and lifted up, prayer can reach his throne. He that is turning and overturning, he that can do marvelous things, will regard the contrite prayer of faith from the humblest of his children. That's from the Review and Herald, April 23, 1889. The word that was spoken to Jesus at the Jordan, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, embraces humanity. God spoke to Jesus as our representative with all our sins and weaknesses. We are not cast aside as worthless. He hath made us accepted in the beloved, Ephesians 1.6. The glory that rested upon Christ is a pledge of the love of God for us. It tells us of the power of prayer, how the human voice may reach the ear of God, and our petitions find acceptance in the courts of heaven. By sin, earth was cut off from heaven and alienated from its communion. 
but Jesus has connected it again with the sphere of glory. His love has encircled man and reached the highest heaven. The light which fell from the open portals upon the head of our Savior will fall upon us as we pray for help to resist temptation. The voice which spoke to Jesus says to every believing soul, This is my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. The Desire of Ages, page 113. Will we carry forward the work in the Lord's way? Are we willing to be taught of God? Will we wrestle with God in prayer? Will we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? This is what we need and may have at this time. Then we shall go forth with a message from the Lord, and the light of truth will shine forth as a lamp that burneth, reaching to all parts of the world. If we will walk humbly with God, God will walk with us. Let us humble our souls, and we shall see of his salvation. The Review and Herald, July 1st, 1909. Jacob prevailed because he was preserving and determined. His experience testified to the power of importunate prayer. It is now that we are to learn this lesson of prevailing prayer, of unyielding faith. The greatest victories to the Church of Christ or to the individual Christian are not those that are gained by talent or education, by wealth, or the favor of men. They are those victories that are gained in the audience chamber with God when earnest agonizing faith lays hold upon the mighty arm of power. Prayer 87.2 Those who are unwilling to forsake every sin and to seek earnestly for God's blessing will not obtain it, but all who will lay hold of God's promises, as did Jacob, and be as earnest and persevering as he was, will succeed as he succeeded. Patriarchs and Prophets, page 203 So the greatest victories are won through earnest prayer. I mean... That's amazing. Think of all of the victories that you've read about in the Bible and in the spirit of prophecy of the Great Reformation and throughout the history. All of these great victories that you see was because of prayer. The Battle of Jericho was because of prayer. The Red Sea and many more that we could name. But those are just a few of the examples. And that's why the Lord put those examples in the Bible for our benefit. If we have faith as a mustard seed, we can move mountains, the Bible says. Shall all our devotional exercises consist in asking and receiving? Shall we be always thinking of our wants and never of the benefits we receive? Shall we be recipients of his mercies and never express our gratitude to God, never praise him for what he has done for us? We do not pray any too much, but we are too sparing of giving thanks. If the loving kindness of God called forth more thanksgiving and praise, we would have far more power in prayer. We would abound more and more in the love of God and have more bestowed to praise Him for. You who complain that God does not hear your prayers, change your present order and mingle praise with your petitions. When you consider His goodness and mercies, you will find that He will consider your wants. Prayer 87.4 Pray Pray earnestly and without ceasing, but do not forget to praise. Testimonies for the Church, 5, page 317. Think about it. We can't just pray for our wants and our needs. We also have to put praise in there. We have to thank Him for all of that He's done for us, for the very air that we breathe. We have so many things to thank the Lord for. And it's amazing to think of all of the things that he's done for us. Things that sometimes don't even enter our thoughts, such as the air that we breathe and 
health and a home and food and clothes and all of those things are possible because the Lord has blessed us and that is something to be very thankful for. Let's not forget to praise the Lord and the Lord will hear our petitions and we'll also feel happier. You know, part of depression is only thinking and wallowing in that condition and thinking over and over about all of the things that are making you depressed. That's not going to help you. Instead, think of all of the good things that have happened to you. Think of all of the times that you were saved or that the Lord has blessed you. Think of others before you think of yourself. And when you stop thinking about the things that are depressing you or getting you down and sad, and you start remembering the promises in the Bible, and you start remembering all of the things that you have to be thankful for and grateful for, then it's very hard to be depressed when you think of all of the things that you have. Also, the situations that other people are in. There are people who are in far worse situations, and they're happy. They're joyful. People can't understand why, and it's because maybe they know something that we've forgotten. It's not about the riches or the possessions that you may have. It's about love for mankind and knowing that God loves you. So those in the darkness of error are the purchase of the blood of Christ. They are the fruit of his suffering and they are to be labored for. Let our canvassers know that it is for the advancement of Christ's kingdom that they are laboring. He will teach them as they go forth to their God-appointed work, to warn the world of a soon-coming judgment, accompanied by the power of persuasion, the power of prayer, the power of the love of God, the evangelist's work will not, cannot be without fruit. Think of the interest that the Father and the Son have in this work. As the Father loves the Son, so the Son loves those that are His. Those who work as he worked to save perishing souls, none need feel that they are powerless. For Christ declares, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. He has promised that he will give this power to his workers. His power is to become their power. Call Porter Ministry, page 108. The enemy cannot overcome the humble learner of Christ, the one who walks prayerfully before the Lord. Christ interposes himself as a shelter, a retreat from the assaults of the wicked one. The promise is given, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. There is no power in the whole satanic force that can disable the soul that trusts in simple confidence in the wisdom that comes from God. Prayer, page 88.3 Without unceasing prayer and diligent watching, we are in danger of growing careless and of deviating from the right path. The adversary seeks continually to obstruct the way to the mercy seat, that we may not by earnest supplication and faith obtain grace and power to resist temptations. Prayer, page 89.1. Temptation often appears irresistible because, through the neglect of prayer and the study of the Bible, the tempted one cannot readily remember God's promises and meet Satan with the scripture weapons. But angels are round about those who are willing to be taught in divine things. And in the time of great necessity, they will bring to their remembrance the very truths which are needed. The Great Controversy, page 600. So temptations are very hard because we neglect prayer in the study of the Bible. They're more hard when we are neglectful of those things. But when we study and when we are in constant communication with Christ, 
those things are easily set aside because we have Christ and him crucified standing before us to meet the adversary and to tell him to flee. There is a mighty power in prayer. Our great adversary is constantly seeking to keep the troubled soul away from God. An appeal to heaven by the humblest saint is more to be dreaded by Satan than the degrees of cabinets or the mandates of kings. Prayer, page 89.3. That's amazing. An appeal to heaven by the humblest saint is more dreaded by Satan than the degrees of cabinets and mandates of kings. That sentence is amazing. When we come humbly before the throne of grace, it is dreaded by Satan. From the secret place of prayer came the power that shook the world in the great reformation. There, with holy calmness, the servants of the Lord set their feet upon the rock of his promises. During the struggle at Augsburg, Luther did not pass a day without devoting three hours at least to prayer, and they were hours selected from those the most favorable to study. In the privacy of his chamber, he was heard to pour out his soul before God in words full of adoration, fear, and hope, as when one speaks to a friend. The Great Controversy, page 210. So from the secret place of prayer came the power that shook the world in the Great Reformation. Prayer is so important, and we don't realize oftentimes how really important it is. It's because Luther and all of the great reformers spent time in prayer that they were able to stand up against the papacy and to bring about the Great Reformation and end the Dark Ages. The reason why it was called the Dark Ages was because the light of the Bible was hidden. They didn't have the Bible in their language, so the people couldn't read for themselves. And Luther and John Wycliffe and Jerome Huss and all of those guys changed that. They made it possible and they told the people what was really happening and what was really going on and what the papacy was doing and teaching was wrong. And same with the pioneers of our faith. They studied and they prayed and poured hours and hours and hours into the understanding of the word to understand what it meant when it said that the sanctuary was cleansed and that it was not talking about the earthly sanctuary, but the heavenly sanctuary in 1844. And... That's what we need to do because we can't just take somebody's word for it. That's what the papacy, the Catholic Church wants people to do. And not just them, other churches too. They want you to just hear the pastor speak and accept it and that's it. But that's not what we need to be doing. Paul commended the Bereans for not just taking his word for it, but they studied the scriptures and they saw for themselves that what he was saying was truth. They took what he said and they studied it and researched it. And that's what we have to do. We can't just take what people say. Don't take what I say and just believe it. Study it for yourselves and show that you are a workman rightly dividing the word of truth. And that's what we need to be doing. We need to be Bereans. We need to study to show ourselves approved and also so that we have the words in our own heart because it said in one of the quotes up above that I just read that the angels are going to bring to our remembrance in the time that we need it most, the words that we read. So if we're not studying for ourselves, uh, we aren't going to be able to defend our faith when it matters the most. And it's when we forget to pray that is when we fall. So we need to not 
forget to pray. We need to pray always and be in constant connection with God. That doesn't mean we have to close our eyes throughout the whole day. No, we can just pray throughout the day and be in connection with him and tell him about things. Or we can think about what we read in our devotions. We can think about it through the day and ponder upon it and think about the promises and talk of spiritual things. I want to be better at prayer myself as well. I'm going to pray for all of you out there, and I hope that you'll pray for me, that we become stronger individually and together in this, because prayer is important as you read for yourself through the quotes and through the Bible, and I encourage you to do so. Study this out for yourself and see how important prayer actually is. And that brings me to the hymn, Sweet Hour of Prayer, because that him it talks about how sweet it is and how amazing it is and it goes like this sweet hour of prayer sweet hour of prayer that calls me from a world of care and bids me at my father's throne make all my wants and wishes known in seasons of distress and grief my soul has often found relief and oft escape the tender snare by thy return sweet hour of prayer sweet hour of prayer sweet hour of prayer the joys i feel the bliss i share of those whose anxious spirits burn with strong desires for thy return with such i hasten to the place where god my savior shows his face and gladly take my station there and wait for thee sweet hour of prayer sweet hour of prayer sweet hour of prayer thy wings shall my petition bear to him whose truth and faithfulness engage the waiting soul to bless and since he bids me seek his face believe his word and trust his grace i'll cast on on him I every care and wait for the sweet hour of prayer. Remember what it says in Matthew 5 16 let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven. And with that being said let your light so shine that you are a star witness for the Lord.